0: Uh, Mike, that um, he had an appointment that will uh, last past the beginning of the meeting, he might be able to join us partway through. And then I just heard from August that he won't be able to make it. Um, I have not heard from other members. So I will uh, defer to you, Lance, but we can absolutely still go through the agenda right. and get the presentations. We we just have to avoid the voting item which would be the approval of the minutes
1: all right well here you here. you will call this meeting to order uh we need to read the uh beginning statement
2: good afternoon my name is jared allen i'm administrative technician at lawrence transit with me here is adam weigel transit and parking manager he will work alongside lance Fay to facilitate the meetings proceedings This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu. In some cases, we may mute or unmute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely if you are participating by phone, you can click star 6 to unmute your phone. And now I will do roll call. Lance
3: Fay? Here. Austin Stifler? Here. Mike Waszkowski? Foster Spicinger? Alan Ackland. Here. Gregory Critchlow. Bill Wilson. August Rudisell. Freddy Gipp.
0: All right, so we're... Short of quorum, Lance, but we'll mm-hmm. turn it back over to you. And Okay, so uh, we will be able to
1: do the agenda. Uh, it's a public comment. Um, is there any public comment in the room or in writing?
0: I don't have anything in writing. Don, did you want to uh, say anything for public comment, period? I'll write it this morning. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. We'll feel free to ask questions throughout the meeting for any the content we have and
1: work. Okay. seeing so you no know, public comment. Then we could move on to the agenda items: um, electric bus progress phase one.
0: Yes. Okay. So I have an update for um, you today about our first phase of electric bus deployment. Uh, we typically would have our consultant here, um, our project manager CTE, who helps us do all the data analysis. I had some challenges with uh, scheduling and they weren't able to be here, so I'll do my best with this technical presentation. Um, If you've got follow-up questions, I will tell you everything I know to be true and I'll commit to following up on things I don't quite know as well. So uh, Give me a second to share this presentation. Alan, can you see that? All right, on zoom? Yes. So step through this, again. just framing all of our projects in uh, the context of the strategic plan. A lot of the work we do, most of the work we do is in the uh, connected city outcome area. So this gives a brief overview of what that area focuses on, um, including mobility. There are a number of different performance indicators that we try to uh, impact with Connected City. And this particular project, electric bus project, there are two um, progress indicators in particular that we think can be improved by our electric bus project. One of them is the satisfaction level people have with transit, Um, just as technology buses are uh, a quieter ride, a more comfortable ride, as well as the percent of uh, energy that the city uses being renewable. So obviously the higher percentage of electric vehicles that we have, the more renewable energy that we use as compared to non-renewables. Here's some of the description I just tried to give um, about exactly how we think this project ties in with those two progress indicators. This again is the uh, overall uh, work plan that we have this year and all the different projects we're working on I just highlighted. Um, in this case, it's just the one uh, project that you see highlighted here, our phase one monitoring and evaluation. So the next several slides are from the uh, Center for Transportation and the Environment, CTE, who is helping us. Uh, they help us through all the procurement process uh, kind of planning on how we deploy all this infrastructure and vehicles and uh, they also help us with evaluation so they're looking at a lot of the back-end data helping bring it into more digestible charts and graphs and helping us understand um, what our operations are looking like uh, and affecting some of the, the decisions we make so I'll go relatively briefly through their slides about who they are. Um, so just generally, they work across the country. They are a nonprofit organization focused on electrification of transit. As a reminder, they're working with us on three distinct projects. These are the three loan um, low-no grants that we have won in a row uh, from FTA, and they'll be helping us through a procurement, deployment, and evaluation of all of these. So. Today we'll talk about phase one, which are the five Gillig buses we have to treat today. We have two additional Gillig buses that will show up. Um, uh, We were planning on later this year, it may be early 2024. And then our third phase has a couple of Proterra 40 foot electric buses, as well as a couple of cutaways. And those will be probably in mid 2024. So, looking at some of the data, there are a lot of different data points that, charge, or that CTE helps us look at. We are going to look at just a subset of those. The five that are bold at the at the top here is what we'll look at some charts and graphs for. Um, but they walk us through as an internal staff monthly. We have um, about an hour or a ninety minutes.
3: Prior months and are there any changes we should be making?
0: So to start, let's see if I can get this to hide. Right. Um, our daily um, state of charge used by bus. So we've got um, a few different things out in these in these vertical bars. You see the different months of deployment across the bottom. So. September of 22 was our first full month of operation, and we have data um, uh, through February February that we're able to show now. We don't have the March data loaded in here yet. Um, The general idea of this graph is our goal and hope to use as much of our available state of charge every day as we can. We send out a bus, we want to use as much of that battery power as possible before we bring it back to the shop. We have been pretty conservative early on in our deployment, just um, making sure that uh, we have um, plenty of wiggle room for buses to come back with state of charge, you know, able to look at our back end data. The more solid green bars are what you can see is the state of charge we actually used on average um, every day in those months. So most of the time we have been bringing buses back with... uh, about 45% battery still remaining. Um, now, we'd like to push that farther down in future months. Um, we have what you see uh, in this 15% all the way across is what we call our head home zone. That's about the time when we have about 15% charge left that we want to start bringing those buses back to the shop um, to give them plenty of miles to make it back without uh, concern of needing to be towed or anything to that regard. Um operationally, what this looks like is most of the time our buses are out until the uh, driver switch out at about midday. So buses are out from about five in the morning until about 1230 or 1 p.m. And uh, that that first half of the day driver takes his or her electric bus back to the garage. And the afternoon driver will bring out their, their fully charged electric bus to run the last half of the day. So In doing that, we're leaving a lot of uh, electric charge unused, so um, you will see in future months us trying to push this farther, um, trying to more consistently be using, you know, 65, 70% of the state of charge, we'll push it to 80, and we'll try to get closer to that head home zone um, in, in future months. We uh, take special um, interest in seeing how our buses are moving through transportation disadvantage zones. So we want to make sure we're using um, electric vehicles and vehicles with lower emissions um, equitably across the city and not running them uh, in places of primarily higher income levels or primarily um, uh, lower numbers of people of color. So this is one of our measures that just takes a look at how we're running the vehicles in um, more transportation disadvantaged zones of our city, um, which takes into account things like um, income, race, uh, people who have less vehicles in their household, um, single parent households, things like that. There's a lot of factors that contribute to people who may have a more difficult time with transportation. So uh, in February, we ran electric buses primarily on Routes 1 and 6. Route 1 has a pretty high percentage of its route that's in a transportation disadvantage zone, about 72%. Route 6 is about 38% in transportation disadvantage zones. So on this next chart, um, we'll look down at the year to date uh, and, and this column over here that shows Essentially, the miles that our electric buses are spending in in transportation disadvantaged zones. What what percentage of those miles are in um, more disadvantaged areas of the city? So, again, this is a number we'd like to um, keep pushing higher if we can. We'd like to be thoughtful about our deployment, um, and so we'll look in future months about uh, what routes we can um, have our buses operate on that that take advantage of this. We also look at our uh, fuel cost per mile, uh, comparing our electric fleet to our diesel fleet and gasoline fleet. So the larger vehicles that are out on the street are diesel. Um, The cutaways that you see, the shorter buses that are out there are all gasoline. So this is looking at um, both preventative maintenance as well as unscheduled maintenance coming into the shop and how much money we spend on these different types of vehicles, uh, how that's looking. And so far we're seeing, uh, I guess this is in uh, February, but you can see from September all the way to February, um, a much lower cost uh, to maintain our electric fleet compared to our other fleets. There are certainly a lot less fluids, a lot less moving parts in the electric vehicles. So uh, this is showing that um, in February costs us about half as much um, to operate a electric uh, vehicle per day than a diesel when it comes to fuel. I guess let me clarify. I would spoken a lot about bringing buses into the shop. This particular slide is a lot about the fuel itself. So the cost of our electricity going into an electric bus versus the cost of the diesel and the cost of the gas that we have to run the, the gasoline powered vehicles. This next slide gets more at what I was just talking about, which is the uh, maintenance cost. So, um, those preventative maintenance costs, those unscheduled maintenance, um, you see electric performing pretty well um, and staying pretty low, especially in February, uh, compared to maintenance that we had to do on our other fuel types of vehicles. This slide aims to uh, kind of capture what we're doing with emission savings and, you know, more digestible terms, um, you know, comparing it to different um, to different touch points that a regular person may be familiar with. So our electric buses have traveled a little over 52,000 miles, and that has saved about 9,500 gallons of diesel. Uh, if we were to have run those same miles with diesel buses. Prevented 49 metric tons of CO2 being in the atmosphere and comparing that to about 121,000 miles of passenger car travel. So, um, just some touch points to communicate um, the impact our emission savings is having so far, and these numbers will continue to grow as we um, keep our buses on the street. Those are the, that's the content I have for the update for our first phase of electric buses. Happy to take any uh, questions or thoughts, um, members of PTAC or members of the audience, anybody who has questions or thoughts on this. Al Acklin,
2: PTAC member on um, the cost per mile i mean the uh, the Kyle uh, those are interesting figures but um the uh gasoline and diesel buses are they traveling a longer distances over the same period of time versus the electric so um, uh, like a maintenance issue if, if you're tra- if you're if you're traveling half the distance you know as a the, the alternate the mode of transportation and that might be have a, a skew the maintenance cost somewhat if you're not the cost per mile is easy to configure but if you're driving half the miles to start with it, there might be some some somewhat skewing of the of the data
0: yes and this, this data hasn't been normalized for distance by vehicle it's been it's been normalized by by a per vehicle basis but you're correct that um, uh, that we do have and um, these vehicles, like I said, travel. They're out for eight or ten hours a day, as opposed to fourteen. So we, we will try to be pushing that more. Like I said, to keep um, keep that usage higher, and and absolutely, we'll be interested to see how that um, would impact these uh, kind of maintenance and, and fuel numbers for sure. Uh,
3: Lance Vape, P vice chair. Um, We've run the
1: couple of other routes with the electric buses, right? I think the 10 has run a couple of times. Am I correct? Yes. And is there any data different on that,
0: as you notice? Is that brought in here at all? So, um, yes, it's not in the the slides that we've shown you today. We have been looking at, uh, like, efficiency performance across different routes. So we've run electrics on um, significant distance on routes one. 6 uh, 10 um have been the primary routes we've been running electrics on so we haven't seen a huge discrepancy in efficiency or um you know how many miles the bun, the bus can run on those those particular routes um, route 10 does have a lot more topography which is interesting not to see as much change in efficiency um but but yeah, we've, we're certainly tracking that. Um, there also can be differences by driver and, and how different drivers apply and don't apply. Um, regenerative braking and, and different things. So that's another angle that we're trying to look at and have not seen large differences. Um, we also looked at very cold days versus more temperate days. And again, haven't yet seen a lot of differences in that. Um, we do have uh, like, We've told this group before, auxiliary diesel heaters that help heat the cabin on very cold days. So we're not drying off the electric batteries for that. Um, But there's kind of a lot of different angles we're looking at to try to understand how efficiency might change under different conditions. Let's see Austin. Go ahead and jump in.
3: Hello, Austin Stiffler PTAC member
1: here. Um, I know you all mentioned that we're sort of trying to utilize more and more of that
2: battery capacity. I was wondering what that time frame looks like for maybe trying to reach that maximal
0: 80%, 75-80% battery capacity usage per diem. Yeah, so we've uh, we've given we've talked with our uh, operators at First Transit about um pushing that first bus that's out every day until Closer to five or six PM, as opposed to around one PM, and um, there's there's agreement around the table that we feel like that's uh, will still bring us back to the shop with a safe amount of battery remaining. Um, And we do get warnings on the dashboard for low battery uh, at twenty percent that give us give us time to react. But um, uh, hopefully, as early as the uh, April report, so uh, that report should start showing that um daily soc used coming a lot closer to what we're aiming for great thanks
3: any other
1: thoughts lance well, we can't do uh, an action item. So, is that uh, time to move on to the next item here? Okay. So, the next agenda item would be, let's um, see. Um, oh, free, fair, fair, free draft
0: report. All right. So, we attached a report to the agenda tonight. I'll pull it up and I'll skip to a couple of sections. So, um, When we talked about fair free pilot program through this group, uh, we committed to doing quarterly reports to try to measure um, the impact in a lot of different ways. And uh, this draft report is our attempt to do that. So we are waiting on some additional March data. And if you looked at the agenda item, you'll notice that there's some comments still in the document and it's got the draft watermark all over it. So we're not complete on this yet. Um, we also are working closely with an urban planning program at KU. Some students are helping us do some survey outreach this month that will help fill in some of the gaps about any changes in rider behavior as it relates to fare free. So we still got some work to do to get a finalized report for the first quarter, um, looking essentially at January, February and March. And um, we hope to have that finished up this month sometime. but. Even though we're not fully tightened up on this report, we thought we'd still bring the draft to you all and talk through at least the components of it so that you can uh, see what's in here and ask any questions. This will be something that we'll post up on the project website every time we have a quarterly report completed. We are looking still at the third quarter of this year is uh, after that quarterly report is when we'll really make our decision about uh, ability to continue the program um we'll better understand the impact on everything as we get deeper into deeper into this calendar year so with that i'll bring up the port and um get into that so i'll be doing some scrolling so apologies for uh Emotion sickness. We have uh, we tie it to the strategic plan here at the beginning. Just some of the performance indicators again that we believe will be impacted by the fare-free program, uh, people's satisfaction with transit, um, our reliability goals as it relates to how uh, fast buses can move without pausing for uh, fares. Um, the cost per passenger trip is really a function of. Um, Our operational costs are relatively constant, with a couple of exceptions. So the more we can drive up ridership, the lower our cost per passenger is. And then our percent of trips not taken in automobile. So are we encouraging new riders to join the system instead of of sometimes driving? Are they taking the bus instead? We walk through each of the impact areas that we... um, talked about when we were leading into the pilot program. So the first one is uh, perhaps the most obvious, which is ridership. We're looking at this based on each route. I brought some information uh, the last time we spoke about uh, how the routes were looking. At that time, we just had January data. Uh, Now we have January, February. Uh, We actually just got March data um, a day or two ago, so we'll get that incorporated into these charts and graphs. There aren't any significant shifts to what we shared with this group before. We still have about four routes that are exceeding pre-pandemic ridership. Um, We expect to see a few others creep above that probably in the next couple of months, just given what we've seen in these first couple of months. Um, And then there's a couple others that are are still struggling a little bit with ridership, and we may have to uh, do some additional analysis to understand some of the reasoning behind that. So we haven't climbed above pre-pandemic numbers. Um, I guess that's with me not seeing the March data yet. Uh, but you can see it climbing um, from January to February. So uh, we'll see how that tracks as we move into future months. I will skip to uh, routes, some of the routes that are um, that are doing quite well. Uh, so route four is one that wasn't quite there in January, but by February, now Route 4 is exceeding all pre-pandemic ridership numbers. Route 5 is one of these that we need to do some deeper analysis. It's had quite low ridership the last few years and has really not come back close to to the pre-pandemic. So um, we talked internally about potentially some of the longer term construction that's been happening on 23rd Street. Do we think that's had an impact potentially? Um, on people finding different modes of transportation, but um, uh, that, uh, that one requires some deeper deeper analysis. Uh, routes six and seven are two routes that are doing quite well as compared to prior years. Um, that it looks like Fairfree is having an impact on. So you see six there quite high. You see route seven uh, really exceeding what we've seen in in prior years. Route 9 is one of those uh, middle-of-the-road routes It's gotten back to above 2020 or right about at 2020 ridership, but not quite at 2019. So, we'll see how that one's looking come March. Route 10 is doing quite well. Um, you'll see 10, 11, and 12, and Margretta alluded to this in the last meeting, that all three of those routes are affected by um, the... KU uh, semester periods, and you'll see dips when it comes to summer and winter months, uh, predictably on those routes because of where they travel. So that's one of the patterns you see here across all years throughout 10. Route 11 and 12, we're doing, you'll see just one data point on each of those. We're uh, doing some additional work to uh, separate out 11 and 12 ridership. So those will come back into into focus um, by the time we finish this quarterly report sometime this month. Fifteen is uh, one of the middle of the road type routes um, exceeding the last couple of years, but still looking towards getting back up to pre-pandemic. and twenty seven also kind of middle of the road. Now Haskell's Haskell's on campus students have been a lot lower since the pandemic, they're still coming back. So that may have had an impact on some of our 27 ridership as well. A different way to look at ridership, uh, just included a chart that has um, year to date uh, percentage change as it compares to 2019. Uh, Right now, this is just January, February ridership, but uh, really anything that exceeds 100% of 2019 is gonna be those routes that are uh, really exceeding that pre-pandemic. And you'll see the ones uh, like routes one and three that are approaching 100%. We're approaching that pre-pandemic ridership levels and haven't quite gotten there yet. And like I mentioned, we are still don't quite have all the data we need for a couple of these routes. So um, this chart will, will come a little more into focus as we pull all those numbers together. Uh, for this final report we are looking at on-time performance this is an area that we don't yet have um, our uh, charts in order see if i have anything here yet got some of that data Um, so we're looking at you know what's on-time performance look like by route um, as well as overall Uh, this is only January and February data, so I don't have March in here yet, but anytime that green bar exceeds the yellow bar is a good thing for us. We're seeing uh, buses that are on time more often in 2023 than they were in 2022. And uh, that can at least partially be attributed to buses not having to slow down for people to pull paper fares out of their pocket, pull change out of their pocket, um, pull up a digital bus fare on their on their phone, So we anticipated some of our routes would would be helped with this metric um, as the drivers didn't have to be concerned about uh, managing fares. Equity, we have uh, some work to do uh, with surveying to understand um, uh, ridership patterns when it comes to people who are low income in our community. Are people riding their same routes more often? Are they riding to different places across town um, now that they don't have to uh, pay for bus fare? We're we're evaluating that through um, through survey work that is taking place this month. Staff time. So we're already reaping the benefits of this as far as our staff, Uh, the variety of Different activities, related affairs that we just uh, no longer have to do. So, we coordinated with um, armored car service. We uh, designed, printed, distributed paper passes uh, to grocery stores, to the community shelter. Um, uh, lots of customer service function related to people reaching out with concerns or questions about passes. There are processes through through our financial system that have to be done when we're collecting fares that we don't do today. And um, so I've just kind of reiterated some of the annual time and cost savings that we anticipate here. Um, uh, I just see this note from Greta. Did you want to speak about any of this? No, I just noticed that
3: The only
1: routes that are not having better on-time performance have a pretty significant impact from the 23rd Street construction. And so that might be worth noting on that page when you do your final report. Uh, Because it might look like those routes aren't having any better performance, but they also have this huge other reason not to. Right. Just a
3: random thought I had while you were scrolling through there.
0: Yeah, good, point. thank you for bringing that up. Again, through survey data, we hope to understand uh, some some questions about rider economics. One of our, um, uh, one of the benefits of fare free is that uh, people in our community now no longer have probably between about $400 and $1,000 a year that people might be spending on transit passes. So, Understanding more about what how how people are saving or using that money in our community uh, will be part of the survey work that urban planning students are helping with. Impacts to uh, our service capacity and our budget. So this is really uh, one of the critical areas when it comes to us deciding about feasibility of extending fare free. Um, So the amount of hours we have on the street for fixed route are. Um, are relatively fixed. We we don't anticipate adding new frequency to bus routes in uh, the middle of the budget year. For example, um, if if we had routes that regularly saw um, completely packed buses, we were leaving people behind at bus stops. We would have to consider that. I think we um, still are are remaining pretty comfortable with the capacity we have in our vehicles on the street to accommodate increases in fixed route ridership. But we do have a couple areas of our service that are demand response and our our, our revenue hours have to rise to meet that level of demand. So paratransit, T-Lift is one of those areas and Nightline, our overnight uh, service that primarily serves third shift workers is another area. So we are tracking the usage of those in a, a few different ways that we haven't yet pulled the um charts together for uh, we'll be looking at our total active users for t-lift and for nightline to see if that number is growing <coughs> we'll of course be looking just at ridership in both of those areas um we'll be able to uh keep writers anonymous but understand if um at the rider level, are people riding? Are they accessing these services more frequently or more often uh, because they are free? Um, so, do we have T lift or Nightline riders who used to ride, uh, let's say, um, four times a month, and now they ride eight or ten times a month because uh, because there's no cost to the service? So, those are some of the areas where we'll be looking at very closely um, to understand impacts on um, how much service we have to put out on the street and if we can afford we can afford that continued service. There's also a section, um, again, that will uh, staff will get out and, and talk directly with riders and drivers about their experience to capture any uh, qualitative uh, pieces of the puzzle that we haven't quite captured in the data. So just trying to understand on a human level, when we talk with people riding the bus, when we talk with drivers um, to give us feedback on, um, their view and understanding of, of their free service and how it's impacting them. Um, so we'll see if we learn any kind of outside the box things from, uh, from that engagement. I believe, yeah, I believe that's all the content I have. So happy to uh, scroll back to anything or answer any questions about this. Apologies that you're looking at a very draft report, but we wanted to um, present something to you Today, uh, knowing that we would uh, really tighten it up later this month, but um, I thought that you being able to at least see how it was laid out and and some of the data we've already got in here would be helpful to to this group or the public. Happy to answer any questions.
1: Uh, Lance Faye, Vice Chair. I will mention that. 23rd Street construction would also be affecting Route 1. Um, there's also been some other reroutes um, that may have had some impact. Um, I am noticing an increase in ridership just as a regular rider of that
0: route. So I think you may see that change. Yes, that 23rd Street corridor project um, is, is such an <clears throat> impactful one. That it, it will be difficult for us to... So really, zero in on some things. Um, just due to that. We'll just have to. We'll just have to know that that's um, kind of a factor in everything we're looking at. I
1: think also um, that um, the homeless shelter is also still at reduced capacity from the pandemic, and so there's a lower number of consumers that, that those services are riding the bus right now than there were say
3: in 2019. Any other thoughts or questions from the group? Yeah.
0: Like I said, well, once we uh, finish this up, you'll see it go public on the website, we'll put out a news release that says it's now available, because um, we do want to point people towards it who are, who are curious or interested um, in different parts of our community, but um, it's come, coming together here. I think we're good to move on when you are lance
3: okay
1: so um any future agenda or work uh, items that we
0: need to or other items that need to be presented this is for ptac members austin or alan anything from you all
3: oh, I'm nope, i don't have anything austin ptac
0: member nothing here Just reiterate what Mike Walskowski always does. If you have um, topics you're interested in us talking about, please send those to me, Mike and Lance via email, and we'll get those programmed for a future meeting.
3: Okay, any transit staff items? So I do have a few.
0: Yeah, I've got a few staff items I wanted to bring up. Um, So just wanted to keep you all in the loop. You know, things are moving uh, pretty well on Central Station, so I threw together a couple of quick slides just um, because visuals are more interesting than me talking, though you'll have to deal with me talking as well, or at least be pictures along with that. Um, Okay. So I just wanted to bring in a couple of recent photos. So our uh, Fred Decker is our project manager through MSO that is doing a lot more site visits than I'm able to do. and it's just keeping us updated with photos when he's out there. So these couple of photos are from, uh, the fifth. So just, uh, last week and, um, photo on the left is inside the building. A lot of the, uh, plumbing work underground under slab plumbing work is being done. So they're, uh, saw cutting a lot of the concrete and getting, um, plumbing fixtures in there, the platform area is really starting to flatten out. If you haven't driven over in the area, uh, they've really brought that hill, um, uh, quite flat, and uh, you see a lot of the earthwork on the 5th, it's there. This is from the 7th, so just a couple days later. Um, so, uh, you know, that area was pretty torn up with all the plumbing. Now you see uh, we're covering that back up with gravel after inspection. Um, and we'll get that all filled in with concrete at some point. So um, contractors both working within the building and outside the building. At the same time, and keeping things moving, we had our uh, biweekly update today, and just wanted to share a couple of um, notable items from that. So, of course, uh, weather can change some of these things, but at least on the immediate forecast, things look pretty good. Um, contractor expects to have the majority of that site grading uh, complete by the end of this week. So, um, that whole platform area, everything west of the building, should be. Getting very close to being ready for pavement, um, so shortly after the grading is done, there will be footings. Um, so the the larger underground concrete footings. We have some areas near the building. Uh, we have some footings that will support an awning canopy, um, uh, very close to the entrance of the building, around the west and the, the south sides, and then also some large footings out on the canopy or near the the platform canopies. Um, that will support the large uh, columns, uh, steel beams that will support support that canopy. So that work is upcoming uh, shortly after that site grading is done and then um, more notable paving shortly after that, within the next couple of weeks. So we're getting very close to some pretty um, uh, visible changes out there on the hill. And we'll, of course, be sharing that on our project page that we have on our website, but we'll be updating this group as well. The other bullet I have on here is about structural steel. So inside the building itself, framing out all the the rooms and the the other support columns that will get added in, a lot of that will start happening in the next week or so. So just wanted to keep you all in the loop as it relates to Central Station. Um, Before I hop to the next topic, any questions or thoughts on on this big project?
3: What is the uh... At this time, what is the
0: projected
3: completion
0: date for that? Yeah, thanks, Don. So the um, we're still aiming to be operational by August 1st when we do our normal route changes. Now what that means is um, all the platform area paving will all be complete. Buses will be able to safely move off and on the platform. Um, the building may still be under construction. So some of those amenities inside the building um, The contractor has until uh, late September, early October for that to be completely finished. Um, So far, uh, you know, some of this depends on supply chain and how things come together um, a little later in the summer. Contractor has some confidence they'll be able to um, beat that late September, early October timeframe for the building. But um, we'll start to gain more confidence about exact dates for everything to be done. Um, probably as we get into June, July, I think things will really start to become obvious.
3: Any other thoughts from the
0: Zoom about Central Station before I
2: move on here? Well, thanks, Adam. Looks great. I'm glad to. We're making good progress on the building and the site overall.
0: Yes. Very much so. Welcome to the meeting, Mike. Thank you. Yeah. My wife is doing very well. <laughs> All right, good to hear. Good to hear. Okay, so a couple other or a few other things I wanted to update the group on. Um, we have a handful of community partner projects that we've been working through as a staff, and you may have seen some of this on social media and um, news releases that we've been putting out. But just wanted to bring them before this group as well. So. Um, Lisa Laverne on our team has done the work really on all three of these projects, uh, had worked directly with self-engineering students. Again, uh, we worked with them last year on a bench project. This year, a different group of students helped us on a uh, uh, sound dampening project on cutaways. We have our cutaway vehicles, especially with the lift mechanisms, can be uh, a little bit louder when we're uh, bouncing over potholes and things. So they worked with us on... Um, a project to um, figure out how to make it a little quieter for riders and, and the driver inside the bus. We worked with the uh, Lawrence Fruit Tree Project to plant some fruit trees at a handful of bus stops recently, and have also been working with the Indigenous Community Center and a number of Indigenous artists in Lawrence to put up new bus shelter art. So. Just wanted to provide um, some updates on those. I will uh, briefly point you to a couple of things online. So on our website, we have news pages. um, And so we have a page, uh, a news story about our partnership with the SELF program. Um, Photo of us out with some of our First Transit uh, partners, Renee and um, Eric out there, helping with that lift mechanism and uh, some more details about that a link to the final report from the students and uh, kind of how they walked through the process and worked through the cost of materials and and different things to um, do some of that sound dampening so would encourage you to go check that out on the website. Mention the fruit tree project if you're an appreciator of puns you'll appreciate the headline, Um, but we worked with uh, our partners put out. Uh, fruit trees, at a handful of or three bus stops, a couple different stops on half school, stop over by the hospital. And um, so just had a great time working with our partners there on that, that project these last couple of weeks. And then uh, we are still in the process of getting uh, 10 shelters outfitted with Indigenous artwork. So we don't have a full um, document that has artist stories and a news release out just yet. Um, But I did want to point you to uh, Mona Cliff is one of those artists, and she helped us with a piece of art um, on a bus shelter near um, Haskell and 23rd. So this is a sneak preview of of some of that artwork, um, uh, vinyl work applied to the glass shelter that we have there. And um, this is amazing artwork. We've got 10 other shelters that also have really, really amazing artwork as well. So. Excited to roll that out. Um, probably in the next month or so is when we'll be able to get everything outfitted. We'll have our, our story come out and would encourage you to follow the links to um, read all about the artist stories and what what these different pieces of artwork mean, because uh, there's a lot of meaning behind a lot of this um, artwork that'll come out. So I'm just proud and excited for uh, the work that, that staff's done in those areas and wanted to uh, share that with uh, with you all. That's all, all we have for our transit and staff updates.
2: Okay, thanks, Adam. Um, I believe that was actually the last item on the agenda. So uh, unless there are other items that other PTAC members on the call want to bring up. Hearing nothing, uh, as you can see on screen, our next meeting is going to be scheduled for May 8th. I hope that that will be in attendance for that, but we're getting pretty close to my wife's due date, so uh, who knows what will actually happen. She's due May 20th, but um, anything can happen. Um, Soon as she comes, I'm going to go on paternity leave, and I will expect to be back after I'm back on paternity leave for them.
0: Well, future, future congrats to you about that, Mike. Everything goes well. Yep, me too. Uh, Anyone? Thank you very much for being here today uh, committee
2: members and everybody else appreciate your uh, time and effort on this and we'll see you in about four weeks. Thanks everybody. Thank
3: you. Thank you.